You are listening to the FDNY Pro Podcast, featuring members of the New York City Fire Department. We want to share stories from the field, best practices, lessons learned, and help save lives. Welcome to the FDNY Pro Podcast. I'm your host, Chief of Staff Elizabeth Cassio. Each year during the month of May, we honor EMTs, paramedics, and the entire EMS workforce for their dedication, service, and sacrifice. The theme for National EMS Week this year is rising to the challenge, and our guest in this episode certainly did just that. In a moment, I'll introduce you to a young member of FDNY Emergency Medical Dispatch, or EMD, whose professionalism and compassion help save lives in a dangerous active shooter incident. But first, I want to mention on June 17, 2021, New York State designated 911 dispatchers as first responders for communications. This milestone highlights the critical role dispatchers play in the chain of survival as the lifeline for those in need and affords them the benefits they deserve as first responders. In most of our episodes when I'm hosting, I have an opportunity to share my own professional experiences in EMS. I worked in EMD for a period of time before the merger and also contributed to the development of the basis for the current modern day training curricula. This experience gives me insight into the critical role of assignment receiving and radio dispatchers. In this episode, I hope all of our listeners will appreciate a glimpse behind the curtain, so to speak. With that, please welcome to the podcast, EMT Menhaz Buyan. Thank you for having me today. It's good to see you. Typically, we start off our podcasts with some background of who you are and how you came into the FDNY. I'm born and raised in Brooklyn. I always love to say that I'm from Brooklyn. I don't know what it is. Me too. Yeah. I went to Hunter College, graduated from there. I always wanted to be in the medical profession. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, simply, I just wanted to help people. That's what it was. What attracted you to the FDNY? What about it? It's the thought of it. The thought of being there for people. When you see a fire truck or an ambulance go by, you see the FDNY, you know someone's going to be getting some help. Someone needs help. So that's really what inspired me, because I want to be there for other people the same way that they are for others. So when you came to us and applied for a job, were you already an EMT, or did we train you to become an EMT? I had no medical experience prior to this. So I was still in school, and I applied during that time to be an EMT trainee. Um. So all my training was received from the FDNY. Right. I used to teach that class all the time. It's one of my favorite programs to teach. I love teaching people from ground level, so to speak. Tell us what that training experience was like. Were you still in school at the same time that you were taking the class? No, so it was actually right after I graduated, about a few months then, like COVID was happening. Mm -hmm. So my school became remote learning too. So I ended my school year, I graduated, and then the following month, that's when I got the call. So I started around June 22nd of 2020, you know, amidst COVID. So you start the EMS Academy right after the very first surge of COVID in New York City. Basically. As you watched as a civilian or a layperson, this pandemic escalating and, and maybe plateauing a little bit while you're also applying for the job, did it alter your opinion about whether or not you wanted to really do this? It was scary because it went from me thinking, oh, what's going on? It's COVID. What is this? I, I really have no idea what it is. Nobody really knew what it was. And now I'm getting the call to be one of the people who have to help respond to patients who need help with COVID. And so it was, it was a little scary because I was worried about my loved ones. You know, I didn't want anyone else in my family to get sick. But I thought of it like I'm getting the chance to do what I wanted to help people. And this is a big opportunity. And I didn't want to lose that. 
You start the academy in June. Was there any remote learning involved in that, or was that all in person? It was all in person. They followed the rules, you know, social distancing. They made it work that way, and everything was taught in person. And there are some protocol changes and policy changes on how we conduct training at the EMS Academy. Tell us about that. We had drill instructors, so that was an entirely new concept. You know, the DIs were still pretty strict on us. They wanted to teach us discipline Mm -hmm. and make sure everything was done right. But throughout that time, even, it's summer. It's hot. We're wearing our face masks. We didn't really get to do as much PT as they normally would have, you know, but, you know, we still did some PT later on. Physical training? Yeah, some physical training in the academy. And we have to wear a mask. We have sweat dripping everywhere, you know. We have to keep our masks up. What other procedures or, or rules did you have to follow specific to or unique to the pandemic? Social distancing, mm-hmm. you know, because amidst all this, there's still COVID going on. Right. We're being trained to assist others, and we don't want to get sick in the process. Now, at the time, people are still are still worried. You're more so concerned for your loved ones, because even us, we're worried about ourselves, but, you know, we come to this profession knowing we want to help others. So you graduate from the academy, and you get your assignment of where you're going to work. In the back of my mind, the whole academy, I'm expecting to work in the streets. I'm prepared. I've been studying for it, practicing, running scenarios. And, you know, the day comes, the DI is giving us our assignment where we're going. People are getting Bronx, but a lot of people who live in Brooklyn are getting Brooklyn. So I'm getting a little excited. Okay, I'm about to, you know, possibly be in Division 3 somewhere in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And everyone's name is called except for mine. DI says anyone's name I didn't call. I said, me, sir. And next to he said, okay, uh, what's your name? I said, EMT Buyan. He said, dispatch, without even looking at the paper. And then it was like, now I have more training. Because I knew even to become certified, to become dispatch, you need further attempts to train. Yeah, further training. How long between the graduation day and now going into EMD? How much time goes by? Quite a few weeks. You're in the field doing some rotations. In the academy, you're doing rotations, but now you're out in the field with a partner because you're trying to gain that firsthand experience before you go to dispatch, which I think was a very crucial thing because right. now when I'm speaking to people, now I'm, I, I can think and I have a perspective so I can kind of see what my fellow, you know, FDNY my brothers and sisters are dealing with. Right. So you field. had to yeah. complete a field internship before you actually went to EMD? I didn't get to complete my full internship, unfortunately, but I did have a few weeks of experience. And I had a you know, really good partner. He taught me a lot in the field. He was, he was a vet, he was a vet. So he taught me a lot. So now you end up at Emergency Medical Dispatch and you get additional training. Yeah, so it's ARD, it's essentially Assignment Receiving Dispatcher. So when we get the calls, now it's our jobs to help the people on the phone, because a lot of these people, they don't know what's going on to their loved ones. Right. So now you call, say someone's having a seizure. Now someone's calling, their family members don't know what's going on. And, right. and you have to, you know, try to instruct them, try to help them out, assess the patient over the phone. And it's really difficult because sometimes people don't know what to look for. So once you get to EMD, what do you think you learned about emergency medical dispatch that you didn't know before? It was a bit different because when I was in the field for the short time I was, you get there and I feel like the people, when they see you, maybe they have a bit of sigh of relief because now help is here. Versus now you're on the phone, they don't see any help. They don't know where help is. I always try to introduce myself, let them know I'm EMS, so that way they get an idea as to who's helping them. Right. But the first thing you hear is fear. Basically, you can hear the fear. You can hear the tears. You can hear, you can feel the emotion through the phone, which is a scary thought. But, you know, you have to know at the end of the day to remain professional that you're trying to help them. Right. And you understand it's just the people are scared for their family, because this is one of the worst times in their lives, and that's what they're calling about. Right. So I guess you would have to go into 
you know, this mindset of turning off your own emotions for the time being so that you can help this person, similar to what you would do in the field, except that you're doing it on the phone instead. That is what we try to do. Sometimes you still feel for the person and you really feel bad for the situation. And for certain calls, I have to go back. I just want to look at it to see, are they getting help? Were they transported to the hospital? Even in those two, three minutes, depending on how long the call is, you get a little bit of attachment personally. If it's a long call, I, I think, okay, are they getting help? Are they okay? Right. Let's talk about March 7th, 2021. It's the last hour of your shift. You're still very new, newly certified as an assignment receiving dispatcher, and you get a caller pretty panicked, and you come to realize that not only is the patient shot, but the perpetrator is still on the scene, and there is still risk of more people getting shot, and ultimately ends up being an active shooter incident. So tell us about that. That was relatively different to what I've experienced because I was still starting out at the time. It was maybe my second month in as an actual ARD. Mm -hmm. I was still new. It was a female caller on the line. She's kind of frantic. And she was saying her boyfriend was shot. And I didn't speak to him until later in the call. But you can hear she's just frantic. She's scared. And at one point, I, I know she barricaded the door with the mattress and a box. Later on, I had to have her hand the phone to her boyfriend because I wanted to speak to him because he was the one who was actually in critical condition. Right. And he was scared. He was telling me that he's losing a lot of blood. He feels lightheaded. And just trying to give him first aid instructions, trying to help him put pressure to it, have him make a makeshift tourniquet, so to speak. And he's telling his girlfriend to stay low because the perpetrator is still outside the door and they hear him pacing back and forth. So you, you can just tell they're afraid this whole time. And they know this person. They right? know this person. It, he even stated this was his roommate for mm -hmm. 11 years, and it was, his also, it was also his co-worker. So he knew the person for a long time. Probably one of the things that you said that I found so powerful was you said to the caller, talking to me doesn't delay EMS. I try to let people know that often, because once I enter the job in the system, I let them know, you know, talking to me does not delay help. And because I noticed you said that in response to her getting anxious the caller was getting anxious that you were asking more questions. You were asking to confirm the address, to confirm the callback number, right? All the things that we need to ensure that help actually arrives in the right location. And you just very calmly. Yeah, I, I try to let them know that so they have some sort of peace of mind that, okay, this individual is helping me on the phone while help in person is coming as well. And I try to let them know they're coming as soon as possible. I could feel that she felt like, all right, I can keep answering these questions because it's not preventing me from getting help. I mean, there's a difference between help arriving at the scene and help arriving in the room they were in, right? Yeah, because even at one point, he was asking me, sir, I'm losing a lot of blood. Where are, where are they? And I told him, you know, they'll be there as soon as possible. And he said, I don't need them to come here. I need them to be here. You know, PD's trying to make a safe scene. You know, they're trying to assess the situation, you know, where the perpetrator is. And in this instance, while you're on the phone, the first arriving police officers do get shot. I, I was told, you know, unfortunately they were shot. As this is unfolding and you're on the phone all of this time, do you find yourself getting emotional at any point or, you know, frustrated yourself? And, and if so, how did you deal with that? I was still new, so I had never been on the phone for that long. It was about, it was like 50 plus minutes, so I would never been on the phone for that long. You know, we didn't know the officers were shot, so that's what delayed the help as well, because the scene was not safe. You know, our EMTs can't help an individual if they themselves are in danger. You just hear the fear in his voice, because he's still bleeding. You know, we're just helping him 
keep applying pressure and make the tourniquet. We had him tie another shirt above the area. And, you know, at one point later in the call, I asked him again, are you still bleeding? He says, I think the bleeding has stopped. Uh -huh. You know, much later in the call, he, the bleeding actually did stop. That was a good idea because blood loss is the most common reason a victim of trauma dies. In hindsight, I thought maybe I should have used a belt, but in the moment, he was in the closet. He was in the closet scared, and his girlfriend was barricading the door. I myself was like, oh, wow, you know, this is really happening. Even towards the beginning of the call, you hear gunshots in the background because the guy is trying to shoot them through the door. Through the door? Through the door, yeah. What sense of gratification do you feel knowing that these steps made the difference? You know, when he told me the bleeding was, you know, controlled, I, my back of my head, I'm like, okay, at least there's this, because I know they're still trapped in the room. What was that experience like when you know that help has finally gotten into the room and the closet where these two have barricaded themselves? In the call, he, you know, he's telling me where he is in the apartment so that help knows where to go exactly to, you know, to reach him. Is this point where you're disconnecting the call because help has arrived into the room or are you still waiting for the EMS unit to be by the patient's side? So I stayed on a bit longer until he was with them. And then when he was with them, I stayed on for just a bit, but really I couldn't speak to him anymore. So there's not much I can further do. Right. So, you know, the police operator was there. I said, uh, you know, I'm going to disengage. I told her, you know, she did a great job as well. You know, the police operator was on the line with me the whole time. Right. But it was just me, me and her trying to help him through the situation because she's also letting him know that whole time the police is trying to gain entry into the location to kind of also relieve his mind a little bit to know that everyone is trying to help him. This patient because he's a victim of trauma, is transported to the closest trauma center. And in spite of the significant injury, and thanks to the quick instructions that you give on how to control the bleeding, uh, this patient did survive. So in our line of work, we put a lot of emphasis on experienced or seasoned members in the department, and rightly so. I don't want to diminish that in any way, but we don't put as much emphasis on what somebody new to the job could be teaching and what lessons we can learn from people with limited experience. So what do you have to offer us? What can you teach us uh, as somebody relatively new on the job? So veterans, you know, people who have more time on the job, they, they know what they're doing. You know, they, they know what they're doing. They've been there. You know, they've dealt with it. And versus new people, they're, when they're doing it, they're kind of making sure, like, hey, you check off all the boxes. You're, making, you're doing everything correctly. Whereas, you know, vet, they know what they're doing, and they know what they're doing correct. They don't have to really worry about it. Versus us, we do it correctly, but we're trying to make sure, hey, did I do it right? You know, you just want to make sure everything is done. Yeah, I think correctly. that's an excellent point. You know, complacency is the enemy, particularly in this line of work. And the more experience you have, the longer you're around, the more likely you have moments of being somewhat desensitized because it becomes routine, right? And so it's not routine to you at this point, not yet. Uh, so I could see how you would be in a higher state of awareness, probably. Thank you. Because of the actions that you took, staying on the phone, giving life-saving direction, comforting the caller and the patient, reassuring them through this process, you're being recognized in two ways. One is you are being highlighted on the poster for EMS Week this year rising to the challenge. And you'll also be receiving the Lieutenant Kirby McElhern Medal on Medal Day. I would think that this early in your career, you, you didn't envision this happening so quickly, but tell us how it feels. I mean, 
I was really downplaying it at first when I was told, like, Chief Monsignor called me. She told me, you know, I have some cool news for you. This is Chief Monsignor. And I might have, like, what did I do? You know, <laughs> did I do something wrong? Why would the chief of EMS be yeah, calling like, you I was at home? Like, you know, what did I do? When she said you were receiving a medal, did you know right away that it must have been this assignment? She she asked me if I remember a call back in, you know, she and she mentioned the day. And I kind of immediately remembered because, you know, that was a pretty big call. A lot of calls like these do happen, though, often. But, you know, it's... This is a, this was a particular situation where officers were shot as well. You know, it was it was right. a whole ordeal. Yeah, I was just doing my job. Right, <laughs> and really, that's what everyone is doing. You know, they're just doing their job. That is true, but it is a significant incident. You haven't had another one similar since, right? No. Right. So they don't happen very frequently. You were calm under pressure and made the difference, and you're being acknowledged for it. You're being recognized for it, and you deserve that. Thank you. What's that photo shoot like? It was an honor because I, I thought it was only five or six recipients of mm-hmm. the medal. So I, I still thought out of all the people in the department, I was blessed enough to have a chance to be on it as well. Right. Because really, at the end of the day, like all my colleagues, all my brothers and sisters in FDNY, everyone rises to the challenge every single day when they show up to work. So I was just glad to be recognized for my efforts. But again, at the end of the day, everyone is making an effort and everyone's trying their best. I would agree with that. That's what makes us so good. This story really captures the importance of the chain of survival, and in particular, the critical link EMD plays in the chain. It reminds me of the FDMY Pro film, Encore, which was released in 2017. Listeners can stream that film now by visiting fdmypro.org slash films. I'm really glad we were able to connect with you on the podcast, Menhaz. Thank you for sharing your story, and thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the FDMY Pro Podcast. I'm Chief of Staff Elizabeth Cassio. For more training and information from our department's subject matter experts, go to fdnypro.org. FDNY Pro is online at fdnypro.org. Subscribe today and get inside access to the FDNY. Learn more about our publications, professional conferences, and other tools for first responders. Train with New York's Bravest.